All right. Praise the Lord. You know, I had to bob my hair so you can shout hallelujah to me. I said, praise the Lord. If you don't like it, I put my heart back. Come and I said, praise the Lord. Our God is good. Let us pray. Father, we just want to thank you because you are good. You are really, really good. You are God. You exist. You are not an idea. You are real. Your word is perfectly true. We thank you that we had the privilege to hear from you, even though you speak through mere men, not because we are perfect, but because of your choice of grace. Oh, the grace of God, the love of Jesus. We will never understand it all. Why you love us, we will never understand it all. The price you paid for us, we will never understand it all. But it's true. The value of your word, the power of your word, the power of your spirit is beyond human comprehension. But yet, you speak to us, you teach us, you help us. That by our spirit, we know that which is humanly impossible. Thank you for that privilege. In Jesus' name we pray. Um, today we continue about the riches of Christ, part two. And today I'm going to preach about being blessed with financial blessings. You may not have heard me preach this kind of common. I'm not too used to preaching about finances. But I'm going to preach it today. Can I hear amen? amen. Ephesians 3, 8 I have been made a messenger of this wonderful news by the gift of grace, by the gift of grace that works through me. Even though I'm the least significant of all his holy believers, this grace gift was imparted when the manifestation of his power came upon me. Grace alone. Somebody say grace alone. Grace. I want to hear you say it louder. Come on. Grace alone. It's what empowers you and me. Powers you and me. So that I can boldly preach this wonderful message to non-Jewish people, sharing with them the unfading, the inexhaustible riches of Christ, which are beyond comprehension. So today we're looking at financial prosperity, financial blessings, which is part of the blessing that Christ also brought us. You know, I, I was deceived by the devil for many years as a Christian, even as a pastor, he deceived me. I bought into his lies. I was so naive because I was not really, I didn't understand scriptures much. So he told me that financial blessings was not for Christians. And I believed him. I believed him. He told me that humility was being poor. And I believed him. And I preached it. I told people this. I was proud of using black soup to bath. What do you call black soup? The, the one that is roundish. I was so proud of it. I would preach it from the pulpit. I said, look, I'm not for all these things of this world. See, what's wrong with black soup? I was proud of riding Okada. I'm telling you the truth. I preached it from the pulpit. The devil deceived me. He deceived me and told me I was not righteous. And I couldn't, I couldn't, 
the truth. I couldn't pray with any confidence at all. I had to ask God to talk to my pastor who I felt was righteous for years. I'm not joking. This is deceit. He told me that any sin I commit, I'm done. That you must be perfect. And he quoted scripture, be ye perfect, for I am perfect. So he said, if you commit sin, no, you are done, no more. You lost yourself. No, no, God can't talk to you. You can't pray. I, I, I believed him. And I lived in abject poverty that my son had kwashoko. I don't know if you know what kwashoko means. Marismus kwashoko is when you have oedema because of malnutrition. My house was in tatters that people were using it to abuse me. I felt that was being, I was suffering for my faith. He deceived me. And the people that taught me this, while one time they called us together to raise one million naira, we couldn't. People there didn't have it. Because they were told the same things. Until our pastor came and apologized to us and said, God told me that I'm teaching you the wrong thing. Even then, I couldn't believe him. Until God himself taught me. He said, you're not preaching my word. Then he asked me a question. He said, do you want your children to prosper? I said, yes. Oh, he said, but you tell my children that I don't want them to prosper. If, 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 the, if the Holy Spirit tells you the truth, the devil will always tell you the opposite. And that's why you need the truth to counteract his lies. For years, do you know that up until now, I feel uncomfortable dressing well? It's always a struggle. I can wear one shoe for one year. It would mean nothing to me. Look, if I don't have anything, I don't miss, I don't miss anything material by the grace of God. Don't. You take this car, I walk home. Because that drunk doctrine has stuck with me. Wrong doctrine is dangerous. Very, very dangerous. I'm telling you, God said I hate it. Any doctrine that does not accord with Christ and the freedom he brought you is demonic. So I lived like that. My tears turned. Man, we, we had, we would make soup and, and, and stew with one fish, cut it into two, and we were six. One, one I mean fish is the cold one that they bought from Maryland. Our milk was, we were sharing milk with one small spoon. Everybody got one small spoon. And then at the point we couldn't even buy the thing. And I still was foolish enough to think I was being humble. And all we needed to, my wife started making a, this type of milk. Suya so, so bean milk. If you want to order, she can still make food. So you have been milk. That's what we made. I'm telling you the truth. 
And yet I'll see people healed and see people do this. I said, I saw God do stuff. I saw God do stuff. Don't fall into that trap. It's all lies. God wants you to prosper. I didn't hear amen. amen. I said, God wants you what? To prosper. Wants you to prosper. Wants you to be in health. Wants you to prosper. Go. The Lord told me, he said, Isn't that I'm grieved when I see human beings I created? They can't eat. He said, I'm grieved when they're in pain. He said, It grieves me because I created them. I made them. And this is not my purpose of making them. And he said, I sent my son to solve all these problems. I laid all that pain and things on my son so they'd be free. They won't believe. And the devil is selling religion to them. 40 days dry. This is dry. To get what Jesus gave you free. They won't believe it. Galatians 3, 13. This is the scripture that God showed me that delivered me from it. My heart changed. Everything changed. Everything changed in that house. In, within weeks, my house was the opposite of what it used to be. People insulted me from Lagos to my village because of poverty. I got into somebody's car. They told me, get out, go, let your God bless you. I'm telling the truth. Say, my friend, get, if you see the way they spoke to me, I meant nothing. You know where we come from. If you don't have much, you don't mean nobody will invite you for wedding reception. You don't have nothing. Oh, I was so abused, so insulted. So, because I didn't have, and I didn't have. I preached in Lagos doing sermon with one suit, and I didn't even recognize until people started talking. There's one pastor that has only one blue suit. And then Pastor Fashrati came to me, said, Pastor, it's the only one suit you have. I said, what's your business about it? He said, because every wedding video in Lagos, they see you with one, one, one blue, blue broke up. Have you seen anything like this? One blue suit. So I became a one blue suit pastor. This is a real story. I'm not making it up. My wife will tell And Pastor Fashrati, God bless him. He went and made me suit. He said, you are my pastor. Do you know I refused to take... Our church council met several times how to help me out. I told them, I said, any more meeting, I dissolve this council. Don't buy into that lie. The devil is a liar. Can I hear amen? Galatia 3.13, but Christ has rescued us from the cause pronounced by the law when he was hung on the cross. He took upon himself the cause for our wrongdoing. He took upon himself the cause, the cause for our wrongdoing. God told me, he said, I laid this on my son, but they won't believe it. They won't believe it. For it is written in the scriptures, cost is everyone who is hung on a tree. 14. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed. God has what? Blessed. Is it going to bless? God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham. The same blessing he promised to 
Abraham. So that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. The same power, I said, he said, he said, he said I give you power to make wealth. That same power you have. That same spirit that produces all of divine blessings is in you, working in you. All of it. So what's the cost of the law anyway? In Deuteronomy 28, verse 15, that if you refuse to listen to the Lord your God and do not obey all the commandments and decrees I'm giving you today, do you know anybody who has obeyed every one of them? The devil deceived me. He told me you have to be perfect and able. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't. And did the scripture. Even the scripture told us, Peter said, even we and our fathers could not. Could not. And yet I was going through that route. Every, every day, oh, thank God for my wife. She had headache trying to be holy. She told me, said, my husband, headache. Because every day I'm trying to watch him. You know, it's like living under stress. My wife had headache. Every day she would pray for Jesus to come. Because this thing was too stressful. But when, when we hit the truth, the truth set us free. Christ took over that burden from us. I was started to live free, trusting in him. What we couldn't do, he did for us. Somebody shout Hallelujah. He took it over. That's why you see me dancing, laughing all the time. Don't stress yourself, my friend. Toil is a cost. God created you to flourish by the power of his spirit. Can I hear amen? amen. So the cost of the law is the, the, the cost that comes on mankind for not obeying the whole laws of God. Not some. The whole of them. All of them. Look, it's not I'm better today, better tomorrow. No, no, no. The, the book of, the scripture tells us, if you break one, you have what? Broken everything. Isn't that part of the Bible you read? You break one, you <laughs> say, if you break one, you've broken all of them. So God says all of them. So if you break one, you are out. We don't understand this. That's why we think we can, we can, we can behave ourselves into God's contention. You can't. Nobody has ever been. Only Jesus did it. So he said, if you refuse to listen to the Lord your God and do not be, obey all, all, all the commandments and decrees I'm giving you today, all these causes will come and overwhelm you. That's called the cause of breaking the law. The cause of the law. Let me summarize it for time. Number one is sickness. It's a cause. Deuteronomy 28, 61. It's at all that from 15 to 69 is outlining all these causes. The Lord will afflict you with every sickness and plague there is. That's the one there is. Even those not mentioned in this book of instruction. And you are until you are destroyed. So this is part of the cause. But Jesus took care of that. Can I hear amen? amen? Let not your heart be what? Troubled. God sent his son. He took care of that. Isaiah 53 verse 4. You see this cause that God pronounced? It came on Christ. For me and for you. If you are sleeping, shout hallelujah. 
You're welcome. <clears throat> Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely our sicknesses he had borne. Surely our what? I didn't hear you. Surely what? What did he do? He had borne. And our pains he had what? Carried. All of them. All of them. All of them. Carried them, all of them. Let's go to verse 10. And Jehovah had delighted to bruise him. Delighted God, God, the Bible says he delighted God to bruise him. And by bruising him, God made him sick. And Jehovah delighted to bruise him. He had made him what? Sick. God bruised him and made his son sick. So that this cause will no more be on us. He laid it on his son. The consequence of our sin, he laid it on his son. All of it. Poverty is number one. Another, another one. Deuteronomy, this, uh, Deuteronomy 28, verse 63. Just as the Lord has found great pleasure in causing you to prosper and multiply, he is now, the opposite will now be your portion. Look at that. The Lord will find pleasure in destroying you. So instead of prospering, poverty will come. But Jesus took care of that. Second Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace. Ah, thank you, Lord. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was what? Rich. Yet for my sake. For whose sake? For, uh, me. For whose sake? Okay. For whose sake? For my sake. If you do something for my sake, it means you are doing it for my benefit. For my sake. For my sake, he became poor. So that poverty, he took it. That ye through his poverty might be what? Rich. I want us to read verse 9. Everybody, let's go. One, two, go. For you know... The, hey, stop. I'm, I'm, I'm going to see through your mask. So better read. If, if you are not reading, this place will be quiet. I will know you are not reading. You know my son will go. He said, Daddy, <laughs> say, if I want to sleep, mask is useful. He said, I just sleep. You will see me sleep. <laughs> you know, we're joking. We're just cracking jokes. Go, let's read verse 9. Let's go. One, two, go. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stop there. Do you know it? He said, for you know, but have you come to know it? It's not a question of, I'm a believer, but do you know what grace has provided? That's what he said, but you know. Paul is telling the church, you know this now. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's continue. That though he was what? Rich. Yet for my sake he became poor. That through, through what? His poverty. What will happen to me? I become rich. The spiritual death means separated from God. Deuteronomy 28, 68. Then the Lord will send you back to Egypt in ships. Send you away from, the, from your promised land. In ships. To a destination I promised you we'll never see again. There you will offer to sell yourselves to your enemies as slaves. But no one will buy you. You know, slaves own nothing. 
a spiritual death separated. So it will ship you back. I'm going to ship you back. Separated. Now, Jesus also took care of that. Matthew 27, 46. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why has thou what? Forsaken. When he was forsaken, he was forsaken so that you will take his place. He did it for your sake. He said it so that the whole world will know what happened. That I'm now forsaken because I've carried the sin of the whole world. Ephesians 2.13. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought what? Near to him. How? Through the blood of Christ. The only thing that brings you near to God is the blood of Jesus. I need to say that over and over and over and over and over. Don't let the devil sell you a dummy. Don't let the devil sell you a dummy. The Bible says you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is grace. This is unmerited. You know the grace. There is nothing like graceless gospel. Any gospel that is not about grace is demonic, is satanic, is deceitful. The gospel is the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And since I realized now that the devil is out telling lies, I made up my mind that I'll preach this truth until I breathe my last. Because that's the answer. Stay on it. Keep saying it. Jesus is the answer. That's why in this church, our theme song is Jesus only is a because there is no other way. We have been drawn nigh only by his blood. The sacrifice of Calvary made us clean. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Brethren, believe this and you'll be fine. Don't listen to the devil. Nothing can take away your sin. You can't legislate yourself out of it. Nothing. Hebrew 19, 10, 19. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. That's why you enter. Because of the blood of Jesus, that's why you enter. Because of the blood of Jesus, that's why you enter. 20, by his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. The only reason you come to God is because of the blood of Jesus. Period. It's purely grace. So we are no more under the curse. We are under the blessings of God. Hebrew 9.15. That, that is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance. God has promised them. All who are called receive the eternal blessing. God promised us. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty 
of the sins they had committed under the first covenant. The first covenant is where the Lord defined what sin is. He died to set us free from all the, all the penalties of sin. So we are blessed with the same blessing that Abraham has. If you are blessed, shout hallelujah. Now let's look at Abraham. Genesis 13. So Abraham left Egypt and traveled not into the Negev along with his wife and, and Lot and all that they owned. Verse 2. Can we read verse 2 together? Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver, and gold. Let's read it one more time. Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver, gold. That's the blessing God said I'll give you too. God gives us everything in abundance. Abundant life means everything in abundance. Everything in abundance. Look at Genesis 25, verse 8. Then Abraham gave up the ghost and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years and was gathered to his people. Are you seeing that scripture? Okay. Where is your Bible? You say no. Open your own Bible. It's good that it didn't show itself. Open your own Bible. I told you to be coming with your Bible. Let me tell you something. One of the reasons that Christians don't get the truth, and please listen to me, I am not joking and I'm serious, is because when you have some of these preconceived lies in you, listen to me, this is true. When I read this scripture, you you read it with that preconceived sieve. You would think he's saying what you have in your mind. I'm not kidding. But when you open the Bible and start reading it word for word, then you realize, oh, so he's not even saying what I thought he was saying. Communication is serious. There are many things we read here which you have a preconceived idea about. You have never changed it. Even though you read it, but it didn't go in to, to delete those things, you think, you think I'm saying or reading what you believe I'm saying. How many times have you spoken to somebody and then you realize the person was in feeding you back, it's what they thought you said. But that's not what you said. Why? Because that's what he thinks you should be saying. Am I lying? That's true. It happens even in church. I've given you an example. All this... Uh, a prayer of, a prayer of uh, agreement. Say, agree with me, I'm going to look for a, work, a, a job. Bro, agree with me. Say, I agree with you, I agree, we'll work. There's nothing like that in the Bible. And yet people do that. People do that. Jesus didn't say that. He said, if you, two of you shall agree as concerning anything, quit, they shall ask. They haven't asked to. But agree with me, bro. And bro agrees with bro. They haven't asked they don't even know what to agree. And they say, well, I've agreed. And they say it didn't work. You should be listening to scripture because your life depends on the Bible, on the word of God. Don't joke with it. If the devil lies to you and takes away the importance of accurately understanding this thing, you have a problem. He has you where he wants you. He wants to establish you in a lie so he can perpetrate you in that lie and penetrate your life and make you real life ordinary. Every time you're wondering where is God. Genesis 13. So Abraham 
Well, did we read Genesis? Genesis 17. Sorry, Genesis 13. Is that what we read? Genesis what? Okay, Genesis 25, 8. Then Abraham gave up the ghost and died in good what? Old age and old man. Do you know the Holy Spirit knows what he's talking about? When he says good old age and emphasizes it again, an old man. He's telling you that God blessed him with fullness of life. Not just finances, fullness of life. And full of years. Do you know what it means to be full of years? Healthy. He died with no sickness. Full of years. Full of years. Old age, full of years. When he says somebody is full of years, he lived his life out in full good health. And was gathered to his people. This is the blessing we received. Now, how did it work for Abraham? Abraham in Genesis 17. Are you following me? If you are following me, shout hallelujah. In Genesis, in fact, let me give you one more. Genesis 17, 1. It's important that I do that. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai. I am God Almighty. Can the church say amen to that? He reminded him, I am God. I'm not a human being. That's why the thing started. Abraham, what I want to tell you is because I'm God. Men won't tell you this, but God will tell you that. I'm God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to you countless descendants to a 99-year-old man. Only God can do that. So I'm guaranteeing you, you are going to have children. I've made you a father of what? Say, because I'm God Almighty. I make and make. You can take this scripture, if you're married and you're looking for children, you can take this scripture to God and stand on it. And say, the covenant you bless me with is the Abrahamic blessing. I am also a candidate for this. Your word is here. Yeah. You can stand on it and say, God, I read it that you bless me with the blessings of Abraham. Not going to. And this is what you say to Abraham. This is what you say to me. I have to have descendants of my own. Believe you me, God will give it to you. Can I hear amen? So this is how I work for Abraham. God said to Abraham, you know, this is a covenant agreement, Genesis 17. Then God said to Abraham, your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. You and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. What is their responsibility? This is the covenant. That, you see, when God said before, he said to Abraham, walk before me and be you what? Perfect. What law did he give him? By what law was that being perfect measured? There was no law he gave him. God expected him to simply believe his word. And Abraham found that letter that God will count you righteous if you what? Believe his word. That's all. I want you to show me, if, God, if, that, if that is a route through which God will accept us, God will have given him commandment before Moses came. God didn't give him nothing. Because he knows no man can keep all the laws of God. He said, walk before me and be perfect. How? Just believe what I told you. Follow me. Trust me. And God will make you what? 
you will be. Praise the Lord. So Genesis 17, 9. Then God said to Abraham, your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. Verse 10, this is the covenant now that you and your descendants must keep. Rule number one, thou shalt not. Huh? What is the first one? Each male among you must be circumcised. You must cut off the flesh of your foreskin as a sign of the covenant between me and you. God was foreshadowing what will happen in Christ. When you come to Christ, you, you too will be circumcised. Basically fetish. So this is how it works for us. Romans 5. Two. Because, remember when Moses was bringing the son back to Egypt? He nearly died. And then he took a stone and circumcised the son. And the boy lived. And the wife called him a husband of uh, blood. Circumcised my son. We, I remember the wife was a hidden. See, this man circumcised my son. There was so much blood. He said, this my husband is a man of blood. It was that circumcision. Once he did it, the covenant kicked in. And that boy didn't die. Now, let's look at us. Romans 5, 2. Because, am I shooting over your head? Okay. Romans 5, I like rising generation. They're always shouting yes. Okay, but we are the generation that have already risen. These ones are rising, coming behind us. <laughs> so let them be following us. Muje Tofi. Romans 5.2. Because of our faith. You see the reason now? Because of our what? Faith. Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. Where we now stand. Only because of our faith. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing all these blessings, God's glory. Colossians 2.11. When you came to Christ, you were now circumcised. But not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision. The cutting away of your sinful nature. Which is what you get when you come to Christ, you enter into a covenant because he gives you his life. The new life. Your spirit is now joined to him. And because his spirit is in you, you are now a child of God. So the same circumcision now, but this is spiritual circumcision. For, for you were, Colossians 2 verse 3, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you were raised to a new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You know, Abraham's circumcision, you cut off foreskin of a part that is used for reproduction. When you come to Christ, he cuts off your entire spirit, cuts off the, 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 the nature of sin, cuts it off entirely. And the need he puts his own nature. So your spirit and, your, and the spirit of Christ become one. And once you become one with him, you become a son of God. You become a heir of God. You become all the blessings of God now belong to you because of that circumcision. And that circumcision took place because you came to Christ and trusted in him. Amen. Romans 8, 17. Since we are his true children, we're qualified to share all his treasures now. So we're qualified to prosper. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. 
we all experience being co-glorified with him, provided that we accept his suffering as our own. Now, the other condition to prosper financially is you must work hard. Second Thessalonians 3.10. For even when, you were with, with, when we were with you, this will command you that if, you, if any will not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some among, which walk among you disorderly, walking not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such will command and exhort by the Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they walk and eat with their own bread. And eat their own bread. So you must walk. You must walk. There's nothing for God to bless unless you put your hand on something. You must walk. And then you can't be lazy. Proverbs 6 says, Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bone. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. Nine, but you, you lazy bones, how long will you sleep? How long will you what? Sleep. When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. You know, it's, it's true for physical, it's true for spiritual. There are people who are spiritually lazy. They don't study. Bible study. They, they've taught, in fact, the devil has come, turned them into couch Christians. Sunday, they relax on the couch and spread their legs. Say, praise the Lord. The Lord somewhere along the... <laughs> you are joking with your life. You don't know what you're doing. Laziness doesn't work with God. It doesn't fly with God at all. It doesn't. If you want to work with God and get God's blessing, get off your couch, my friend. Pay a price for something. Show God I need the sin. Get off your couch. Don't let the devil put your... Read the Bible and see what the Bible talks about lazy people. Those, those cows, it called it calls, it calls them cows of uh, bash. bash. Say they, they are lazy. God will bless a lazy person. Neither spiritually or physically. If you want to get the treasure of God, get off your couch. Can I hear amen? amen? Don't let Corona turn you into a couch Christian. Get off your couch. Get into your car. Drive to the church. Show your physical presence. If you have internet church, who, who, will, who will wed you? Tell me how you learn to do evangelism. How will you learn now? Is it not because you participate in the ministry, the immense ministry, you participate, you give your, you give your contribution, you, you, I mean, I'm not talking about money, you, 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 you bring your ideas, and then they say, we want people to do this, you volunteer, you visit. If you are sick and you are a member from Hong Kong, how do I visit? We do internet the Holy Spirit said to the church, do not neglect the gathering of yourselves. There is something about what? Gathering. The Holy Spirit said through, through David, I was glad when they said, let us what? Go to the house of the Lord. Laziness, lazy boon, God won't bless it. If you like, lie on the couch there and say, praise the Lord there. You won't get as much. You won't get, unless 
Unless you have, I mean, you're at your job or something. But if you have opportunity, get up, my friend. And shake off that and I say, no, I'm not going to be like this. I'm marching straight to the house of the Lord. Because the scripture says to do so. I want to be a fool for Jesus. That's how to follow Jesus. You don't follow him with wisdom. Therefore, our motive for riches must be, must be righteous. Selfish motive, God won't be involved. God will not be involved. I'm just doing business, I must, I must wait for yourself. Every time I go check your account, forget it. God is not involved in that. You can get a lot, though, but you are going to miss God. Oh, I'm telling you, the devil is going to take you off. Before long, you hate coming to church. Before long, you hate every. The, the, the first thing the de- demons do is to kill your love for Jesus. That's why they take you away and trap you until you, you deny Christ and take you to hell. It's to deny. People used to be excited about Jesus. They're no more. The love of many shall wax what? Cold. It's happening. And part of it is money, it's dollar. Hey, the devil is wicked. He uses what he knows what we like. He knows that people will do anything for money. And the Bible says money answered what? Others. But God does more than money. Does more than money. More than money. Luke chapter 12, 16. Jesus then gave them this illustration. A wealthy landowner had a farm that produced bumper crops. Every year the harvest was so great, it filled his barns to overflowing. He thought, what should I do now that every barn is full and I have nowhere else to start more? I know what I will do. I will tear down the barns and build one massive barn to hold all my grains and goods. Then I can just sit back, man. It's time to retire. <laughs> Surrounded with comfort and ease. You see the ease, the spirit of ease? Do you know anything useful that comes is cheap? Do you know any treasure on this world that you don't sweat to get? Show me one. Petrol, you dig it in the ground. Gold is in the ground. All of them. There's nothing you pick on the ground. And God says, my treasure, you dig it. If you find it, then you call your friends. This is ease. Now he's entered into ease. I would enjoy life with no worries at all. God said to him, what a fool you are to trust in your riches and not in me. God said to him, what a fool you are to trust in your riches and not in me. This very night, the messengers of death will demand to take your life. Then let's see how far your retirement will uh, go. You go and retire somewhere. But not here. Then who will get all the weight you have stored up for yourself? The same thing will happen to all those who fill up their lives with everything but God. James 4, 3. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what you will give, what will give you pleasure. <laughs> what will give you pleasure? Pleasure. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? 
I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. You don't use world standards. They are selfish people. All they do is for themselves. The world counts success with dollar. God doesn't count success with dollar. Did you know that John the Baptist, Jesus said he was the greatest of all the Old Testament people, but he had nothing. He had nothing. What is the physical thing you can attribute to John, really? But he had the message. He had the revelation of Christ. He said, behold, what? The Lamb of God. That's what made the difference between him and the others. He was sent by God. A man sent by God. He said, in the eyes of God, this man was great. Because the purpose of his creation was to introduce Christ. He fulfilled the will of God. The purpose for which God created him was fully fulfilled. And God gave him 100 Percent. Brethren, let me tell us something. It all ends six feet below. All these things. Look, I've been a pastor a long time. I bury people. It's, all, it's just these people. All these things we do. And nobody knows when. Nobody knows when. Nobody knows when. So God has always wanted us, if you, if you want God to bless you financially, your purpose must align with his own purpose. God always wanted us to create opportunity for poor people. Can't neglect the poor. He doesn't give you only for yourself. He made Abraham, he blessed Abraham, so Abraham will be a blessing. If you read Ruth chapter 2, we're not reading it now, 17 to 23, God instructed Israel that they should create economic opportunities for the poor. So they, they too can come and pick. Don't, he said, don't take everything. When you pick your harvest, leave some. Leave some for the poor. I want to read this story. I don't know. This, this story is from, I think I got it from um, the, the biography of one man they call Richard Gilmore, Latanon. His biography, you can read it for yourself. If you, if you have access to that, it is not from me, it's from his biography, because I, I need to really acknowledge that so that I don't get into copyright issues. So he says uh, he was so respectfully referred to, he was a common man, a self-educated man that rose to the top of the art-moving business. His business and his life was guided by one principle, which he was happy to tell every writer that ever did a story on him. God runs my business. He would say with a big smile, breaking out on his friend through his life, he was awarded more than 300 patents for his innovations in art moving equipment, manufacturing processes, and machine tools. He supplied between 50 to 70 percent of all the art moving equipment used by the Allied forces during World War II. He pioneered the development of prefabricated steel welded homes, primarily to furnish housing for his employees, not but business. More than 20%, more than 20 went up near the plant in Peria, while others were floated up the, down the Illinois River to their locations. He, was the, he also developed the first portable, listen to this, the first portable offshore drilling platform in the mid-50s. Throughout his life, he was referred to as God's businessman. In a blink of his friendly eye, he would quote the book of Matthew. I would say, but seek you first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness and all these things were added to you. That's who he really was. God was showing him. The Holy Spirit will show him designs. He, he, he was seventh grade. He didn't go to college. The Holy Spirit will show him designs. Can you imagine platform for oil drilling in the 1950s developed by a seventh grader? God showed him designs. He will show it to engineers. They will all be baffled. If you read what God did with this man, you, 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 you just like, wow. But that's what God does. He says, seek you first what? Kingdom of God. He said, that's what guides my principle, my business. God, he said, I'm a, I'm a God, God's businessman. He uses my money. He uses, he, he was financing Billy Graham and all these things. Big, big, financing so many things in the kingdom. He never controlled the use of the money. He let the spirit of God say, this is where I want this to go. This is where I want this to go. And he was left with 25%. When God, when God says something, we overlook it, we think it's not important. But this man realized that the word of God is true. I made it the principle of his business. He, he, seventh grader, no toiling, nothing. Yeah, I don't have time. If I read for you, if, go and look, look it up for yourself. Read about this man. I see what God did with this man. He, he even opened a university, which is in Texas up to today. Seventh grader. Look at um, Luke chapter 5 from verse 1. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boats and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Five, master, Simon replied, we walked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, seek you first. He controls everything. It's foolishness to neglect God. You will toil all night. What you think you've caught is nothing compared to what you can give you. If you say so. Everybody say it with me. If you say so. He said, my son, attend to my words. But the devil will tell you, no, it's not important. You know what you are doing. Check your account. If you say so, I will let the nets down again. Well, these things you are doing, who told you to do them? All the decisions, <laughs> when to make money here, make, who told you? Are you living for that? Who told you? All the plan you're making, I'm going to give this, I'm going to give that, I'm going to use this chair, plan, buy this, buy more, more shares, plan, plan, plan. Did he say so? Verse 6. So now, 
But this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. One word from the Lord. <laughs> Not two. Ah, oh, Jesus. I pray that people will know you. One word from him. One word. Not two. What effort did Peter make? Not. What effort did this man I read make? Seventh grade. This time their net was, was so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. When Peter, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck. He was surprised. What, what does it mean to be awestruck? It's more than being surprised. Right? He was awestricken. He was in bewilderment. He couldn't. He opened his eyes. It's like, I don't know how to put it. To him, it's like a dream. Is this for real? By the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. Why do, why do we prefer to suffer? <laughs> why? And we draw nothing. Pretend we are doing this, doing it. Why? And he showed us, seek you first what? I will add this. In one minute, he changed the economy of a hopeless. In one minute, all those fishermen went back and paid their loans. In one minute. Why? The Lord said so. All the fish obeyed him. <laughs> Everything obeyed him. All of it. Shall we rise up? You are the Lord. Let your name be glorified. You are the Lord, you are the Lord. Let your name be glorified. We give you glory, we give you glory. And Let your name be glorified. Precious Father, we want to thank you. You are merciful. How little we know you. How little we know you. How your spirit told us to pray that we should know the greatness of your power. So that we stop being deceived by the devil. Resorting to human power, human intelligence. Things that will give us not much. For our blessing comes by the power of your spirit. Oh. Comes by the power of your spirit. Lord, I pray that you help us. To take your word seriously. Not to joke with it, 
That's the first deceit of the enemy. Is to sell us a lie that we have another word. Lord, if it's not your word, it has no power. It simply has no power. Can't do anything. I pray that this morning you will help us to really turn our eyes and focus it on Jesus. From where all the power comes, all the glory comes. The Bible said, of his fullness will partake. All the blessings of heaven, he paid the price for us to have. You didn't create us to come here to toil. You created us to live by the same word that brought that fish to Peter. The same word. We should live by every word that comes out of your mouth. So we too can live in abundance of life. Simple. Lord, I pray that you open our eyes. The enemy has cheated us long enough. Pushed us like Samson all over. Because the eyes have been taken away. No revelation. We're pushing like Samson. Demonic spirits are laughing at your people. What we can get by the power of your spirit, we're trying to get by the wisdom of men. And we don't have all the years to live here. Lord, I pray that this will be a turning point. So that people can see your power and your glory through your children. They too, like others that were standing with Peter, they'll be awestruck. They will say, wow. 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 Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray.